All right, McFarland, McFarland Energy, thank you so much for launching us into 2023 after carrying us through 2022. Uh, we are honored, we are, we are privileged, and we are feeling pretty good about things. We're feeling really, really, really good about things because you know why we've copyrighted the trademark? Who says no? Do we get that? Legal team? No? Yes? Yeah, sure. Sure, okay. But you have to tweet it from your account. TM. Well, once I find the TM uh, emoji, I'll be all set. You so, get it going from your account. We see what happens, and that'll that'll really tell us how things are. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, if you see someone else use it, let's sue them. Okay. Is that fair? Fair. Maybe. All right. Well, we got the whole cast of characters here. The whole cast of characters: Sammy Gordo, Pat, everybody, and Coop, of course. So let's get to it, man. Let's let's get to it because. You know, we are we had the the privilege or the 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 fun of doing who says no all these weeks, and we could pick any team that we wanted. We could pick any trade that we wanted, and they were absolutely. We're still pitching a perfect game when it comes to trade proposals. The fax machine in Heim Bloom's office is running out of paper. All these proposals, but but now we're sort of we're testing you guys. Ready? Okay, this is the next test. This is like the obstacle course. Here comes the wall. You have one team trading with the Red Sox, and that is the Miami Marlins, formerly known as Derek Jeter's team, formerly known as a team that care- people cared about that way back when, when Josh Beckett pitched for them. But, all right, so there's been some rumblings about the Red Sox perhaps trading with the Miami Marlins. I think Alex Beard report today said, oh, don't get your hopes up with Tristan Cassidy. I don't care. I'll just say this for right now. If you guys have a trade involving Tristan Cassis, that that is allowed. That is absolutely allowed. Nothing's off the table because we can't just say, say, oh, well, they have no interest. They have no intention. That's not how this works. Nope. Nope. This How this works is everything's on the table. The spicier, the better. So let's go. All right, Coop, spin the wheel of people. Let's go. I can't hear you, Coop. I love you. I wasn't sure we had we needed a wheel to go first, but I'm just yeah. going to go clockwise on my screen. So Gordo, hit us hit us with your first trade. All right, let's do it. Marlins are the funnest team to do these for, but and I know you said Marlins, Bradford, but I brought in a third team here. We're Ooh, getting complex. Yeah, that's okay. Three it's team the trade. first, yeah, the first in who says no history, if I'm not mistaken, on the Bradford show. It is so. Okay, I've got coming to the Red Sox. Edward Cabrera, Miguel Rojas, and from the San Diego Padres, Austin Nola. You might want to get a pad and paper to write these down. It's it's getting complex. (laughs) So we got Cabrera, Rojas, and Austin Nola. The Marlins are going to receive from the Red Sox, Alex Verdugo, Reese McGuire, and Bobby Dahlbeck. And from the Padres, they're going to get Ha Sung Kim. And then the Padres are going to get Tanner Houck from the Red Sox and Jacob Stallings from the Padres. So I've got these all written out, like what the Marlins do and what the Red Sox do individually. Um, but I can, I can give you solid reasoning for all of it. So the Red Sox get their high upside controllable starter in Cabrera. Wait a second. This is, this is, by the way, do you guys see the movie Be- A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe? 
This is basically like Russell Crowe staring at the window full of equations and saying, I can give you solid reasoning for all this. <laughs> just like, what? Huh? What? Anyway, continue. I don't mean to interrupt. I, this is all going to, the clouds are going to part and I'm going to understand this. Go ahead. No, this is good. The listeners are going to have time to get their notes out. <laughs> so we got, we got the Red Sox getting the young, controllable, high upside starter in Cabrera. They get to fill their shortstop hole with a stopgap. Miguel Rojas has one-year control, and they get an upgraded catcher in Austin Nola and a guy that they have been after in the past, at least according to reports. They've, they've been open to dealing Hauken Verdugo, and we've heard trade rumblings with Bobby Dahlbeck. And I know that there's obviously going to be the question of what do they do with, with the Verdugo outfield spot that's going to open up a spot. There are still guys on the free agent market that can give you similar production couple guys that come to mind are AJ Pollock and Adam Duvall. Uh, for the for the Marlins, they've got like nine potential ace caliber starting pitchers. Like they're going to deal multiple of these guys. And Cabrera, I think, has been the one that's come up and talks the most. And in return for that, the reports are that they want Major League Talent to upgrade their roster this year. And while I kind of question the merit of that, if that's what they want, Kim is a is an upgrade over Rojas. Verdugo is a real outfield upgrade. Reese McGuire over over Stallings is an upgrade. And getting Bobby Dahlbeck, it's a, it's a dart throw with Dahlbeck. Maybe maybe he he pans out there. We don't know. And so they don't get a blue chip guy, but they get they get upgrades all across the roster and and upside all over the place for for just one of their nine potential ace caliber pitchers. Who's before we go on? So who's playing right field for the Red Sox now? I've I've got them signing a free agent. If oh, you got AJ Pollock. Okay, that's the Pollock. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, in synopsis, from the Red Sox point of view, you've given up Hauk, you've given up Dahlbeck, you've given up uh, Verdugo, and someone else. Am I missing and someone? McGuire. And McGuire. And you're getting back Kim. You're getting back Nola. You're getting back um, who Not else? Not Kim. Oh. You're getting back Cabrera. Yeah, Cabrera. Cabrera, Rojas, and Nola. Okay. Okay. I got you. Okay. Uh, well, I'll let you guys go. Go ahead. Who wants to go? I can jump in. Um, I actually really like this one. Um, I don't really care what happens with the Padres, but with the Red Sox, it's it's Cabrera, Rojas, Nola. That's awesome. Two holes that they need to be filled are instantly filled. And um, – I don't love Rojas. At least, though, you have the defensive upside. So it's not like you're putting a nobody. Like, love this guy too, but it's true. Jose Iglesias, nothing. He adds nothing for you. At least with the weak bat, Rojas provides defense. And then Nola, I was in the midst of looking him up. Not the greatest ever. I don't know how his defense looks, but, you know, not a big deal. What I'm really focused on right here is we got a shortstop um, and we get Cabrera. So I like it. Also, Verdugo, good player. Definitely someone that I could see going. Fine. Maguire, fine. Bobby. <laughs> and then Hauk, I kind of see as just a relief pitcher, a fancy relief pitcher. So um, I really like this. This is one of my favorite ones I've heard on Who Says No. I think it's fairly realistic, although those three-team trades, good luck predicting those. But um, I like this one a lot. Uh, I, could, I could sign me up. Do it. I like, by the way, Hauk is not a closer, not a starter, 
He's a fancy relief pitcher. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's what he is. He's a guy that we're like, all right, this guy's coming up. He's got a nasty sweeping slider, slurve type pitch. He throws mid to high 90s fastball. He's working on a third pitch. He's a starter. Okay, he's not a starter. Now he's our closer. Okay, maybe he's not our closer. He's a fancy reliever. He's a fancy okay. relief pitcher. I like but that. If there's any uh, GMs from other teams listening to this, he's a starter and a front-end starter. So, Well, I think that in the market, fancy relief pitchers cost a lot more than uh, – a little bit – no, it costs a little bit more than a closer but less than a starter. That's what a fancy relief pitcher is. So, okay. okay. Pat, what do you got? You like this one? Yeah, I'm trying to do the mental gymnastics to keep up with a three-team <laughs> trade. But, no, I definitely like this one. I think I think Hauk is pretty expandable. I think that's been kind of known. And I think that's – I think there's kind of like a, a mirage going on with, like, them kind of saying, like, oh, like, Hauk might be in the rotation. Like, we're going to stretch him out. I think it could be kind of a little bit of a ploy to maybe build up some trade value. But in terms of what we're getting back, like middle infield's a mess right now. Rojas is a stop up there. I'm not huge on Nola, but you're not really giving up anything substantial that like would warrant like a real risk there. Especially if Reese McGuire doesn't hit 350 like he did after the deadline last year. So it definitely gives you some shortstop or uh, backstop insurance. But I don't know. I think overall, I think I'm a fan of it. And like the Marlins, I can't even remember a team recently that has had like more of a surplus of like top tier starting pitching, but zero bats to go along with it. So from their end, I think there's enough of a return there to warrant them giving up one of those arms. So I don't know. I don't think any of the three teams really say no here, especially with the Padres having some arms that are going to be free agents next year. How controllable guy, like if he pans out, he pans out. You solve that. You solve that problem. How can we get jazz Chisholm in the trade? Right. Cool. Right. Correct. That That's all I need. That's what I was going to say. I, if, if we left this whole thing without Jazz Chisholm on the Red Sox, <laughs> it was it was a waste of time. I, I will say this: If do we have this documented, Coop? I think that we are uh, recording yeah, a podcast. It's it's very well documented. Yeah, we uh, I don't know if we've been writing stuff down throughout, not for this one, but for the whole time we've been doing. Who says no? Alex Verdugo may be the winner in most involvement in trade proposals. So do you think it's, that's accurate? I think we did our first episode, or it was the first roundtable where everyone wanted to get rid of him, but every time everyone was just complimenting him, saying like, oh, he's the centerpiece of this trade. And it's just kind of like, man, you were the centerpiece of, or not the centerpiece, but you were the main part of that Mookie Betts trade, and now everyone wants to make you the centerpiece of a whatever else trade. So it's he's the bell of the ball, but also the ugliest girl in the grade, so... <laughs> That was the episode we said Verdugo was generally a fan favorite, right? We coming off the bus, yes. Chris. Yeah. <laughs> all these, all these, all these t- t- things getting tagged on guys. Fancy reliever, generally a. Fan <laughs> I mean, well, I, mean, I don't know. Really I even know what to make of that. But Verdugo, we're is- GMs. We're trying to dress up our guys that we want to get rid of. <laughs> Can you imagine? All right, we'll trade you Alex Verdugo. He's generally a favorite. Uh, well, uh, listen, I mean, he's – it is weird because we – we I remember that. We should do – by the way, uh, Al, our next one should be an Alex Verdugo-only trade, who says no, which is kind of what every episode is anyway. But it, it was it was going from – 
the you mentioned Alex Verdugo to now we do this like, yeah, of course. And we're going to include Alex Verdugo because that's what we do. You're an idiot if you don't include Alex for yeah. at this point. It's, like it's just like, are you not trying to make your team better? I mean, it, but here's the, here's the problem. There, there's a reason why you have to include Alex for Dugo in every trade because unless you're going to trade like these prospects, you know they aren't going to trade. You have to trade something. And oh yeah, Alex for Dugo. Yeah, he's generally he fits the Miami lifestyle. Yes, yeah, he's a yeah. good fit. If anything, we're trying to give him a better life. Like, you don't want to live in Boston, man. We know it. Nah, yeah. We're, we're here for you, Alex. All right. That's a good one. Girl, congratulations. That was a good one. That was, that was, that made us all test our brains. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's hard. It's hard to put together these trades when your best trade ship is Tanner Houck, but the Marlins surplus is their pitching. You got to get creative. It's like, a, it's like harder than a Rubik's Cube. It's awesome. Excellent job. All right, spin the wheel of people, Coop. So we now have Pat up. All right. I'm in a little bit of a conundrum. I feel like both of my packages are a variant of Gordo's three-team monster trade. (laughs) But I I like this one more, so we're going to run with this one. So the Marlins get Sedan Rafaela, Nick York, and Edison Paulino, and the Red Sox get Edward Cabrera and Steven Okert. Kind of along the same lines as Gordo, we know the Marlins have a incredible surplus of like top tier arms and not even like potential arms, like established good arms, probably a good six, which is like unheard of. And what is known as all they want back in return is bats because they really don't have any young bats outside of Jazz Chisholm. So the thought process here is you get, you get Sedan Raffaella, who is should be majorly bound at some point this year. Gives you some flexibility. can kind of play all over the place. Known for his glove, but has shown some pop in the minors. That should appeal the Marlins, especially because he's so athletic and kind of play everywhere. Nick York is a kind of a prospect that has had a little bit of a fall from grace, but he had a good fall league. He's still super young. Middle of the infield guy. And there were rumors last year that the Marlins might have been looking to trade Chisholm, especially if they get Nick York. That makes that even more possible. Maybe they flip him for another bat, an older outfield bat or something like that. And then Paulino's a nice little throw-in, uh, top 10 or 12 in the Sox farm rankings, another high upside bat. On For the Red Sox, you get Cabrera, who has absolutely electric stuff, probably a number one to two in a couple of years for most rotations. Pairing him with Bayo is a dream. That would be so fun to watch firsthand, just having two young studs who are controllable, we know Heim loves a cheap contract. That'd be awesome. And then you get Steven Okert, who's a little bit older. I think he's 31. Last three years, reliever, sub three ERA. Just seems to be a dependable guy. And the big thing is lefty. Right now, the Sox, I think the only lefties in the pen are Darwinson and Joely Rodriguez. Josh Taylor. So, and Josh Taylor. So getting an established left arm who has that kind of resume, three back-to-back-to-back years of pretty much dominance sub three in ter- trading away some surplus in terms of prospect. I think, I think that makes sense for both sides. What do you guys think? That's a good one. That's a good one. By the way, before you guys respond, I want to, I want to know was Tristan Casas in any of your trade proposals before like two o'clock today? Yep. Just wait. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry. 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 All right. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad we weren't scared off because you never know until you know. All right, anyway, Gordo, what do you got? 
Okay, so hold on. It was Rafael York, Paulino for Cabrera and Okert. Yep. All right. So this is interesting because this is this is something that I would do if I'm the Red Sox. But it's interesting because I think they might be able to get Cabrera for less. I was looking a little bit into where he historically ranked in some of those in some of the rankings, and he was kind of always in like the fifty to a hundred range, and that's kind of where that's kind of where Rafael is. Personally, I, I I would have neither saying no to this. I think Cabrera is an absolute beast. I I've been a fan of his since I discovered him on MLB The Show. Anyone who played last oh, yeah. game, oh my god! But yeah, I I if I'm the Red Sox and this is what it takes to get Cabrera, I do it. And if I'm the Marlins, I'm doing jumping jacks to do this. So, so in other words, in synopsis, you agree this is getting faxed over. It's fair trade. I think I think that if you're making a one a, a two team trade, Sox and Marlins, and one of their young starting pitchers, maybe that's not Braxton Garrett, is coming back. I think it starts with Rafaela. I like I how Gordon said that. If you're making a simplistic two team trade, you know, I'll go, <laughs> my... if you're a simpleton and don't do a three team trade, this is likely. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because you can't you can't have Hauk in there, and or and you, you you probably can't have Casas in there unless you're getting a little more creative. I'm making a four team trade where I'm trading for Dugo three times in it next week. <laughs> so, uh, all right, Sammy, what do you got? Uh, I think <laughs> I think this simplistic trade is actually pretty interesting. Um, it's interesting for a few reasons. I love the return for the Red Sox. Exactly what they need um, fills two of the three glaring holes they have. I, I would say shortstop, right field, and a left-handed bullpen arm, unless Josh Taylor is healthy. Um, this uh, fills two of them. Uh, and it's also the Red Sox trading from a position of strength. They have a lot of middle infield help in the minors, plus story at second base. So Paulino is a, a bit expendable. Uh, Rafael, a great prospect. We've gone over him a million times. Don't need to do it again. I think we all understand who he is. The interesting part is York. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, whenever I do these mock trades, I tend to include York, mostly because I'm always wary of those one-tool guys. Like when all pretty much all the value is tied to his hit tool, it's a little you know, iffy. That being said, I think he makes a lot more sense in a five player trade like this rather than a one for one or something like that. So yeah, this is another one I like. I don't know too much about Okert other than it looks like he's been consistent um, as a low leverage, but still major league left-handed reliever. So yeah, I like this one. I would just hope that, uh, well, Nothing you can really do about this, but it, it looks to me like one of those trades in like four or five years, we're going to look back and be like, man, we gave up a lot for Cabrera, but you can't really worry about that when you're in a position that the Red Sox no, are. It's called the San Diego Espinal. Um, yeah. so, but uh, I will say this about Nick York. I do not think he's going to be traded, and here's the reason why. Not because the Red Sox wouldn't trade him, although maybe they wouldn't because you know he was Heim's first first-round pick and so forth and so on. But because I think that teams have to see have to see him prove that he his wrist problems aren't wrist problems. In other words, you know he had wrist problems in this year, then they crop back up in the the fall league. So you know, and I'm not saying it's a serious thing, but you know those things can, as you guys know, you know if you have a wrist problem, it's it's a problem. So you know, 
So that's what that's my two cents about Nick York. They they definitely be selling low. I agree with you there. Yeah, but you know it's it's sort of I've said this I've used this analogy before where the NFL teams when they get guys and like this guy did nothing in college but no he was a five star recruit in high school they char- when when a guy like Nick York he's a first round pick and how many times have we seen this with the Red Sox picking guys off the scrap heap and we get to throw in the headline Red Sox get former first round pick you know so, there's something there. I would counter that. I heard on uh, Sox Prospects' most recent episode, they were saying that guys from the COVID year, which I believe York was one of the COVID year. Was. Drafts, right? it, was, yeah. it was York. It was um, uh, Blaze Jordan. It was Shane Drohan. It was Jeremy U. Yellen. Yeah. Am I forgetting one? Yeah, anyway, go ahead. I'll, I'll be vague because I don't want to misquote them, but they were saying that a lot of GMs will, like, in their head or on paper, tag these guys as COVID year guys, as in like they have a different developmental path, I guess you could say. So I I don't know how that affects it. Um, But I was listening to that today right before I got on here and I was kind of like, you know, just interested. I wonder if that's good or bad. I think I would guess bad. I can't imagine why it would be good, but um, that's my only uh, retort to your the the first round pick kind of tag. Yeah, no. It, well, first of all, he wasn't thought to be a first round pick. A lot of people feel like he was a first round pick because they were saving the money for plays Jordan. Um, second of all, you remember like he went to the the altern- um, alternate camp in Pawtucket, did really well. We have the the images of him getting hit off Mata and so forth and so on. Then he goes to spring training and is really really good. He plays in a crap load of major league games. Um, you know, and we could say, oh, it was a year ago. He was pinning a corsage on his prom date, blah, 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 blah. And so the, he does really well. But then this last year, then he has risk, some wrist problems. And last year, you know, sort of underproduces and he has some physical issues. Um, I think he can still be a good player, but we're just looking at, to your point, I mean, I think it's sort of those guys, you, you don't have a straight line development, developmental thing anyway. It's a good trade. It's a good trade. So we're just picking through it. So anyway, all right. You got anything else, Coop? No, it's just a good trade. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a fan of it, but I actually, I'm, I'm still thinking about the three-team trade. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually, my, my brain's working, and I, I would like to at some point see someone try and manipulate a trade that involves every team in the MLB. That is what I want. I, I just once? want pure chaos. Yes. I want to see how that would work out if it's possible. Oh, man. That, that's a challenge. You got, I can see all three of you guys. You got the wheels turn. We'll workshop it each. Let's get together. <laughs> I think it would be beautiful. It, whatever comes out on the other side of that, it would be a monstrosity, but it would be like our monstrosity. The, the winner gets to cover the WBC with Coke. <laughs> each of us takes 10 teams and we just connect the dots later on. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. With yarn. Um, yeah, it'd be like the Charlie Day uh, conspiracy <laughs> theory uh, meme. Uh, <clears throat> all right, Sarah, Sarah, you're last up. Let's go. Don't let us down. All right. This is what you asked for. So I got <laughs> Red Sox are trading Tristan Casas, who Dan Shaughnessy hates, <coughs> and Wickelman Gonzalez to the Marlins for. Yuri Perez and Garrett Cooper. Now, don't freak out. I know those are probably weird names. Like, who are they? Well, you guys probably know, but listeners, don't freak out. 
Um, this is a massive, massive prospect trade. Perez is the ninth overall prospect per pipeline in Major League Baseball, and he's the second among right-handed pitchers behind Grayson Rodriguez, I believe is the name, Orioles. Yeah. Meanwhile, Casas, 25th ranked overall, partially because first baseman, their value gets cut, um, and he's the top-ranked first baseman. And then the other two guys are pretty much just replacements. Cooper, who somehow made the all-star team this year, um, he's just a replacement for Casas. Um, and then uh, Wickelman Gonzalez replaces Yuri Perez, just some starting pitcher depth for them. Um, and I think this makes sense because uh, we've alluded to this multiple times already. Red Sox are great at developing bats, uh, bats, Bogarts, Devers, blah, blah, blah. There's a million of them. Um, and the Marlins are great at developing pitching. Conversely, Marlins are not great at developing bats. They're okay. Uh, and the Red Sox, especially in recent years, have been just bad at developing pitchers. So um, Perez and Cooper to Boston, Casas and Wickelman Gonzalez to Miami in a four-player, fairly simplistic deal. Well, thank you for including Tristan Casas in the trade. I appreciate that. Uh, all right, what do you guys got? Uh, um, Gordon, why don't you go first? Oh, man, this this is spicy. <laughs> <laughs> I love Yuri Perez. Dude, he's he's only 19, but he's already in double A and he is he's going to be a stud. It's one this is one of those deals that like I love it. And I, I, I bet both of them just get cold feet and say no. But oh man, Yuri, Yuri Perez is is that guy. The only the only issue that I that I have with it is I feel like the Red Sox from a PR standpoint are pretty consciously trying to send the message or at least be able to, to attempt to send the message that they're going to try and compete this year and trading Casas for a guy who is not likely to touch the major league roster this year might be something they don't feel comfortable doing, but from a value standpoint, Yuri Perez is, is a stud. If, if I'm Miami, I might want to hold off on dealing him unless I could get Marcelo Meyer, but Oh, Yuri Perez. I, I, I thought all day about how I could get that guy on the red side. I'm not clear. Do you like Yuri Perez? Is that oh I love him. He is he is he is something. All right, Pat, what do you think? It's, I, do you like so, it's so juicy on paper. Like in like here in Casas, you could probably play this back and see me physically cringe. But it hurt. But the trade itself, I think, makes a lot of sense in the terms, the kind of like Gordo was saying, is like, Sox can't develop pitching. Marlins can't develop bats. In that essence, this trade makes perfect sense. I will say, I think if I'm giving up Casas, I want at least a guy who's been major league level so you can see how his stuff plays at the big leagues. But, but like, it's, it's a hard one to do because, like, if you go for a Pablo Lopez, you get two years of control for six years of Cassis plus. But then if you go for like an Eduardo Cabrera, that's not really a big enough name, but on paper, like just point blank. Do I like the idea of trading out Cassis for another top 10 guy who is a starting pitching and who would thrive in Boston alongside like Bayo? Yes. So I guess I'm not saying no to either side. It just hurts. I'm just trying to logically go through it. <laughs> That's where imagine, I'm at too. Can you imagine Perez and Bayo atop that rotation for the next two years? No, I'm just kidding. For the next ten years. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like it like thought like thinking of it. 
those two guys up top. Bayo's what, 23? Yeah, something like very and early. Perez is no retirement to play first. It'll be all magical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, those two guys, like three, four years from now, Bayo's 27, Yuri Perez is 23, and they're just a two headed monster. Like, that'd be awesome. Uh, I appreciate you guys talking about Perez. Every time I do a trade like this on Twitter, and it's like two big names and then some throw ins. The only thing people talk about is the throw-ins. And they're like, I don't know about Cooper. I'm like, that's, nah, that's not the point. The point <laughs> is to get Perez. But, yeah, one, one reason I did this, and I know Perez is like, you do not trade a guy like that. The one team I could see doing that is the Marlins. I mean, they got, what? They got Sandy Alcantara, who's like, good luck even trying against him. They got Cabrera. They got Lopez for another two years. They got Braxton Garrett. They got uh, Gordo, your guy. They got Sixto Sanchez, who's right. just about to bring him up. Can I yeah. tell you a story about Sixto Sanchez? Hit it, that, please. So in 2020, when we were star for to write about things, I think this one might have been one of the first "Who Says No" that I actually put in print, and it was leading into it was leading into that season. It like so at whatever in July, go. It's worth a Google, and the "Who Says No." <laughs> Who says no? J.D. Martinez for Sixto Sanchez. Now, remember, J.D. Martinez, Southern Florida, South Florida. He also wasn't having he, – he wasn't coming off like a terrible year. Well, actually, he was. Uh, no, no, he was heading into a terrible year. That's right, 2020. So he wasn't coming off a terrible year. He had a couple more years of control on his contract. But I, like, I got dragged so bad because Sixto Sanchez at that time – was the be all end all. I mean, he like he might as well have been Justin Verlander in everybody's eyes. So I stand by it. Um, it, it sure looked really, 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 really bad in September of 2020 when JD Martinez was horrible and Sixto Sanchez was like really good. But uh, anyway, I will always have hold a dear spot in my heart for Sixto Sanchez. So anyway, you can continue about Sixto if you like. I'm no, right there with you, Brad Foe. I will always have a special place in my heart for Sixto Sanchez. He's only 24. It feels like he's like been on the borderline of like ready to break out, but he keeps getting hurt for years. But actually, he's younger than he's younger than Edward Cabrera. He's younger than uh, Trevor Rogers. I think he's the youngest guy that the Marlins have besides Perez and maybe Max Meyer. Yeah. So he's got time and he's got, he's got the full six years of control. Like he's, he's got plenty of time to break out and be that guy. Gordo, by the way, Max Meyer, who is Trevor Rogers. And then another one, I forgot. Lizardo. Also, Lizardo. Yeah, they can, they can trade Perez. Come on. You got no bats. Casas <laughs> is like, gets on base, hits dingers. What do you want? And he's from there, right? He's from the. Yeah, he is. He's from, yeah, he's from Fort Lauderdale area. But here's the thing about Casas is that if, if you were going to pick one guy who, like, the future of this whole plan, this master plan hinges on, it's kind of him. Maybe you could make a case for Marcelo Meyer. But with Casas, you're, you're, you're saying this is the guy who's going to hit his home runs, this is the guy who's going to play first base what we feel like, what we thought Bobby Dahlbeck was going to play like 80% of the time. This is the guy who's going to be the star. And I'm not only saying because of the production that they need from him, but also the trades that they're turning down possibly for him. So you're putting the eggs in the basket of Tristan Cassis. And, yeah, sure, he has promise. There's no question about it. 
but not to go all Shaughnessy on you, but you know, you, you obviously didn't see a, a ton, like what you probably wanted to see in his first go around, which is unfair to him. And, you know, he has, so he has some physical issues. What I'm saying is that is, there's no slam dunk, but they need this to be a slam dunk because if no other reason, when you're turning down these trades, then you better make sure the guy's good. I know Coop loves him because he talked about getting a fire truck behind his ear, but uh, yes, anyway. Not just that, but he visualized uh, his first home run being against Garrett Cole. So that Ooh, was, that was, that was, you know, that was, you get yeah. someone that bets on themselves like that. Listen, that was, that was the best spur of the moment podcast of 2022. Not even close. I mean, we should thank, we were supposed to do it Eric with Eric Cosmer. Yeah, so we yes. should thank him just for, oh, for that opportunity. Absolutely. It would have been that's not, the Cassis podcast was like three times as good. No, no disrespect to the Hosmers. But yeah, yeah. We we basically we formed a bond with Tristan Cassis over a 20 minutes of unexpected conversation. So so are we out on the trade then? Do we want to keep Cassis? Uh well, I mean Person, oh, yeah. personal yeah. profit. We have to look at it this way. It's my, oh, look at, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think, I think if that's the problem, is that you sort of put, painted yourself in a corner and positionally with Cassis. Um, and I think, you know, that's what you have to do. Like, obviously, you guys like yourself some Yuri, but but I'm telling you, it's, they they probably think oh, we can get by with the pitching we have, but we can't get by without what we hope that Tristan Cass is going to be. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I feel. Good trade, though. Hey, Excellent. Rob. Also, Gordo brought up a good point. He he referenced the um the Red Sox PR, how it would be, would be bad PR. And as you know, I work in PR for a very very yeah. different uh, sports media platform. So I'm just kind of thinking, like, do they care about the fan perception? Because to me, it seems like half half the time they don't care. Like they're trading Renfro, they're trading Mookie. But then at the trade deadline last year, we heard all these rumblings like, and, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if this was all BS, but we heard the like, uh, you know, they don't want to give up because they didn't want to signal the white flag to the fan base, pal. Like, you know that? So I'm just a little confused, like, to me, from someone who works in that field, the PR messaging, I guess the way I would frame it is it's a little like inconsistent. And I know like it's not Heim's Bloom, Heim Bloom and the front office's job to be PR guys, but I don't know. I just wanted to see like, does that matter? Do they care? I think there's there's two levels of caring. So the the caring to the point of where it impacts what you're gonna do. I haven't seen that yet, which honestly it surprises me because that level is the ownership coming in and saying we're unloading the the piggy bank, no matter what Bogarts wants, what no matter what Devers wants, pay him, and that just hasn't been the case. So I don't think that that level the, the caring has impacted how Heim Bloom has done things, or now they have done things. But the other level of it is the words, which mean nothing. And the words of what I mean, and like the, the day that Bogart signed, we've talked about this. Leading into that day, you had all these leaks about, oh, this traction and blah, blah, blah. Like, what did they expect to sell? Like, how many tickets did they expect to sell in that, in that 18 hours? I don't know. But, it, like, why do you even leak that stuff out? Why do you do that? It's, and why do you do all the stuff that you did before? Because you want, people, you want to give that, that perception on your side. But it's all a mirage. It it doesn't matter. Until we see 
the money come from the owners where they say they do what they used to do. So we're not going to lose out on this guy. Then, then to answer your question, the public perception isn't impacting what they do. It isn't. I mean, I think that they've dug in, dug in on, dug in on that pretty good now. So, so yeah. then would you just say the trade deadline mm-hmm. was kind of like uh, they messed up? I guess I would say the trade deadline was um, was playing field position, right, Coop? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we want to use that line, I mean, that's. I thought it was a great line. I don't know if you guys saw that Matt Strom. So yeah, the Matt oh, Strom yeah. played field position, and Tom Brady came in the game. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's, but when, when, even before he says that, what his, his guttural reaction was, do we, do we still know what we did? And, and I don't think it had to do, I don't think what Bloom did had to do with public perception as it, I think he just get caught and much like you get caught not having a, a PR person down in Houston. I think you get caught in trying to play both sides of the fence at the trade deadline when he shouldn't have. Here's a quick question for you guys involving trades and trade deadlines. Um, do you think Heim makes the trade that Theo makes in 2004 at the deadline, moving Nomar? Yeah, that's is, that, is that a move that you can see Heim doing? Yeah, what was the full trade? It was Nomar. Doug, Doug, Doug Minkiewicz and Orlando Cabrera. Hmm. I think the it, answer is that's yes. like a tough, like that's a yeah. tough hypothetical because it's like Heim hasn't won a World Series off of something like that, or he hasn't won a World Series at all yet. But it, is Isn't that it? like a penny pinching? Not penny pinching, but moving like a a big star yeah, an name, iconic guy, an iconic yeah. guy. Yeah, I, I think just that trade was subtly the ballsiest trade that you'll ever see. I mean, paid maybe off. not even subtly. It, it's, it's crazy looking back at how ballsy that trade was. Crazy. Talk about I, PR. Holy crap. You haven't right. won in 86 it, years and you get rid of Nomar. But here's and here's the difference is that first of all, Nomar like wasn't a like at that point he's sort of the, the surliness was starting to creep up. And and also they were a good team and they had a ton of good players on that team. You know, so that's one of the things when we talk about this team. When you keep letting guys go, well, it's not like you have a bunch of guys on the roster that people are going to come see play. That's the difference. And here's another one. What, and I always thought this one, not that was a good one, Coop. But the other one I thought of was Mookie Betts. So you go into that trade deadline the year before they end up dealing Mookie. And I know they talked about trading Mookie and they never did. But that's the most value. So Dave Dombrowski holds on to Mookie because he, he's still trying to win. But does Heim Bloom trade Mookie Betts back then? I don't know. I mean, it was off of what he went in the ditch trade deadline? Probably not. But who knows? I think he might. The only thing that I would say restricts this is going back to the whole PR thing is I think front like ownership might get in the way of that. Well, I think that's honestly, I think that that's what stepped in. I think that we talk about the per, the public perception I think in in that case, absolutely. And here's the thing, Sammy, that you asked about the public perception impacting. We're going to find out with Devers. Like, we are going to find out with Devers where, where I mean, this isn't – yeah, exactly. Pay Devers. Well, they did. Right. There you go. I love <laughs> I love everyone. Somewhat. <laughs> getting very excited over the one-year contract. Absolutely ruined my day. 
Did that? Why? Oh, God, my heart dropped. I was like, fine. The first two yeah. lines, it was the 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 view of the tweet. The first two <laughs> lines, it was like the Red Sox and Raphael Devers have agreed to a, and then you see nothing else. And you, oh my God, I was eating lunch. I yeah. wanted to throw up. Roll it over. I saw that tweet. It was like literally like dancing in bed, and then finished the tweet. Just like threw my phone down, like wipe, wipe my eyes. I was like, I hate this. That's oh yeah. It, but, we got three good reactions. What was your reaction? Uh, I was on. I was running the Twitch stream for uh, Weei, so go subscribe to that because my performance is. Based you know on what that. I heard? You know, I was listening to uh, after they did that. I was listening to like they went into it. Uh, it's like you probably heard this, and Forte's reaction was, "No, they didn't oh, care. Good timing." Good timing. Like, yeah. what, what well, I mean, not, what do you want them not to trade a guy? Like, I mean, or sign a guy? You, you're not cons- consulting the NFL. I don't think he meant based on that. I think he, well, kind of a news dump type thing, but more so, I think probably based on the fact that he was getting booed out of his own stadium oh, yesterday. John, John has nothing to do with it. Nothing. Ah, you this don't is, think there was a, this, you don't think there was a twinge of like, hey guys, let's get this, this was done. Formality. It has nothing. John Henry, but believe me, he knows he's going to come around the corner. He's going to get booed tomorrow, whether he signed Raphael Devers. The Raphael Devers, you talking about public perception. You guys just said it. Like this doesn't move the needle when it comes to the to the perception of John Henry. But he can just say that I finally paid Devers. No, they can't. Like it's, that, a, it's a it's a formality. That would be bad PR. That'd be really bad PR. <laughs> oh my God, Fenway would ignite. <laughs> no, like I understand the concept of like it's like it's an arbitration year, whatever. Like they just had to get it done. But as far as you know, making like a big stink about it, like I. I would imagine like someone shot past in a message saying like, Hey, this just happened thinking they like, Hey, like we finally cured like this issue that we've been having over the last couple of years. I don't think they set up a press conference for Raphael Devers announcing his one year arbitration eligible contract. I don't know. Things have been pretty low here. We need some, uh, we need some positive. Can you imagine how great Twitter would be that day? Oh my God. That would be the best day ever. (laughs) It'd be the best thing if like, if, you know, everything was kept under lock and key. And then all of a sudden, like you get the message, like you get the alert from the Red Sox Twitter that they're going live for a press conference and you see Devers up there on stage and you're like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden it's announced 17 they, million, one did, year. We did it. Did they do like the, I'll put it this way. Which did the Red Sox Instagram account make more of a big deal about Raphael Devers signing or Rick Porcello's retirement? Oh, Rick Purcell's uh, retirement. I think it would be absolutely hysterical if the Red Sox Instagram or Twitter account posted a picture with like Rafi and just 17.5 and then you swipe and it's the gif of George Bush and it's like, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. (laughs) That 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 was just accomplished up on the... Yeah. Yeah. Dollar sign. That would just be a perfect... Like a perfect troll job that would make me want to throw my phone, but it would be funny. I mean, you guys, you guys have Photoshop skills. If if that isn't happening, where like you have, uh, if you if you have John Henry's face or Raphael Devers' face with George Bush on the aircraft carrier with Mission Accomplished back. <laughs> Do you guys remember the the Red Sox Twitter tweet? Um, the if you know, you know, with the reset key, with the oh. tax reset. You remember yeah. that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
so bad. That's some more bad PR. Well, okay. So I think we're pretty clear that they don't care about PR. We kind of just answered. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, they, I, think they, I think they misguidedly care about PR. I mean, it comes also comes back, they P, PR slash business, right? You have to sell the tickets. That's yeah. another part of this. And I've said this a million times, but there's a reason why they dropped the college ticket price packages or the packages in the, in the middle of the Mookie Betts press conference after they trade Mookie. You know, because they're paranoid about it. Yeah. And, you know, they should be paranoid about this year. Well, um, hey, honestly, if I'm – I am a fan of the Red Sox. I, I actually – and even as a PR person, I don't want Heim Bloom and the guy who, – whoever it is who's helping him with trades, since nobody actually knows or nobody can say. Um, I don't want them caring at all about PR. I, I want them to do what they do and then let the PR team handle – yeah, you know how you get good PR, you win. But the, unfortunately for them is that that you're going to – I think that what's going to happen, sort of like what happened in 2013, I'm saying if they if they actually do win, where you go back to that team, it took a long time for people to buy in on that team because the perception was you you just got these, you know, a smattering of Victorinos and Napolis and Rosses and, and whatever, and there wasn't a lot of optimism, and they started really well – but there wasn't a, bu- a lot of buzz to that team. I can go back. It wasn't until end of August, really, because you had the Bruins and then you had Adri- uh, then you had um, uh, the Hernandez deal. You know that dominated the news cycle, and people still just weren't buying. And that's what's going to happen. It's going to take them a while for people to buy in, which is you know obviously I don't know you know that's not good for business. Well, the Bruins so, are uh, you, the Bruins are doing you, pretty hot right now, so we got one check mark. I don't know. If yeah, well, and, and we're not even talking about the Celtics. So, and then, you know, and then the Patriots have to find a new quarterback. So, and a new office coordinator. Maybe we're trending in the right direction. Oh, um, whoa. There you go. Sammy, <laughs> <laughs> so you, so you do PR for, like, uh, fighting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mixed martial arts, Muay Thai, yeah. kickboxing, grappling. We should have him, like, talk to Joe Kelly. Joe, would, Joe, Joe, would Joe be up on that? Oh, this is all Joe. Uh, the Joe solution to baseball is more fighting. Well, what is he like? Does he because because a lot of people who aren't super into the sport they tell me that and then they're like, "Yeah, I love John Cena," and I'm like, "No, no, 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 like different." No, 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 no. Get, no, but he's honestly, it would be a good conversation because he's all about we because we obviously talk a lot about how to make baseball better. He's all about how um, how uh, what do you call? It? I'm drawing a blank. Mixed martial arts or whatever, how they go about their publicity. Like he's mm. all about that. We spent when we were doing when we were pitching the book to publishers, our first Zoom call, ninety percent of it was him talking about that. We didn't go with that. Publisher. Oh, we could talk for hours. Then my whole <laughs> I don't really uh, talk on social too much about my work. I'll like retweet us and everything, but like my nine to five is like fights, 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 fights. So yeah. well, I, I, mean, I think it's more. Of, I think it's more of just leaning into you know leaning. In. The best way to put it is just to lean into it. That's what he's saying. But yes, this, yeah, that's. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Lean into it, even if you're the heel. At least people are watching. Exactly. Exactly. Not the same for baseball, I would say though. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes not so much. <laughs> yeah. um, but hey, listen, everybody, great job! It's always good to get together with you guys. We're gonna get together in spring training. Everyone, get on the Brad Fo Show private chat. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. You have your choice. You can hang out with Coop at the WBC or me in meaningless uh, AM radio baseball games. 
There you go. Uh, well, one one, of, the, one of them you also get to see Joe. So it's not just Rob. It's Rob and Joe. So that's. I mean, there's a 50% jo chance Joe's there. Yeah. Um, or riding his bikes on the street of Fort Myers. Who is going to win our weekend? I think I'm making it happen. I think Ooh. there's a good good shot on making it happen. All right. How about how about you guys, Sammy Pat? Maybe we'll have to do a Bradfoe show meetup. I gotta check like prices of hotels and stuff and everything, but I wanna go. I'm, my neighbor and I, my downstairs neighbor, me and him have been like plotting this, so we we might go. When Can is it this year? Where? When? Oh, it's uh, like the twenty twenty first. Interesting. Yeah, Can I might. Like, I might. Can we like rent like a big hotel room, Bradfoe show? squadron i would be happy time. yeah I'll i think we that. should do an rv I'll, no i'll do it oh, i mean if you guys don't that. mind sleeping <laughs> on the same bed yeah. but, who uh, says no two to a bed <laughs> <laughs> who says no evolved <laughs> who's uh <laughs> who's, <laughs> there's so many ways i can go with it i'm not going to um I will I'll put it this way. If, if you guys, here's what I will say to you. If you guys want to stay in one hotel room and do a podcast in the hotel room, if you want to stay, I will put you guys up. I will buy that hotel room for you in Springfield. So there you go. Coop, Coop, you take the point on that. I'll be the producer on this one. Well, you're, no, you're going to be the host because I'm not going to be there. So, All right. Yeah. yeah, we can zoom you in. <laughs> you don't you don't want to be pay witness to to that uh to no that i do believe me i i, I want to be there i just have other commitments going on i want to be with four dudes it's going to be a zoom call out. the four of us the four of us in matching pajamas and then rob on the other screen i mean this, isn't it all about content so it, it's it is I, i'm actually i'm a very big fan of this idea i just paid, i am too i just paid three hundred dollars for a uniform for my hall of fame ballot reveal so I, if, if it's content, I'm paying for it. So there you go. Um, you got to have like some type of heist to get that jersey back. You got to have some story behind it. We can talk more about that after 10 o'clock in the morning tomorrow. All right. All right. Um, I'm excited all right. for that. All right, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers.